Welcome back. This is Kelly Gregg of kellygregg.com, and this is the continuing podcast series of the book Diet and Health, found on Amazon and on my website, kellygregg.com. As you now know, I'm going to the chapters and making podcasts of them. This is kind of like an audiobook, but I don't always follow the exact narration. This is podcast number 43, which the title was Bread Engineer. However, I'm going to combine chapters 42 and 43, which is Grain Engineers, into one podcast 43. can show your immense appreciation of these podcasts by going ahead and buying my book, Diet and Health. I have made the decision to give bread special consideration in the book Diet and Health. Bread is the oldest processed food, and history is rife with references to bread. Looking at historical bread and comparing it to modern bread offers great insight into our current problems. When I say bread, I usually mean the stuff made out of wheat. The result of studying dietary history left me with a conundrum. Grains have been used from the beginning as both a source of food and one of the primary ways food was stored to avoid starvation during seasons of food scarcity. In almost every Western civilization, it accounted for the bulk of caloric intake, around 50% of the diet and often more. At the same time, The treatment for obesity is to lower carbohydrate ingestion. If bread is mainly carbohydrate, why didn't we get insulin resistance in historical societies? Is there something different about the bread made 3,000 years ago as opposed to the bread made 300 years ago? The answer is going to be yes. You can see that in the images of bread over the years. Bread was described and depicted as a firm, dense loaf that had not risen much. It staled rapidly, and there were many recipes for leftover stale bread. Now we have light white bread, soft crust, and it lasts for a few weeks. It is not surprising that this has occurred, as most people want this type of bread. With the development of capitalism in certain countries, the millers competed to make flour that would result in this type of bread in order to make more money. The bakers have also changed the way they use this flour, along with the usage of additives. This has continued to the present day, and now we have white, light, fluffy bread wherever bread is sold. Sliced bread has only been around for about a hundred years. My goal is to provide a basis for a lifelong diet for the family both young and old, that would be practical and the basis for maintaining good health. To do that, I went through the biochemistry and metabolism to establish a basis for a healthy diet, as well as the reasons the current American diet was leading to obesity. I did not give you any recipes, but just general principles. When I was faced with incorporating bread into this diet, it became evident that this was a major topic so large that it required some special attention. I therefore have written several chapters on bread, probably more than you need. 
I have provided a guideline for the use of bread and grains in a maintenance diet. It is not a cookbook, but in the end, you will understand the ingredients in bread and how to adapt them to your family's diet. You will even understand how to cook bread should you desire. There is a small book I have written called Bread in the Modern Diet, which is a written form of this content. Bread is composed of flour, liquid, that is water, salt, and yeast. This is true for leavened bread, which is bread whose dough can expand as a result of carbon dioxide production by yeast. For this to occur, the flour must contain the proteins of gluten, which form an elastic framework to trap the gas. The grains that contain gluten are those from wheat, rye, and barley. These have been the primary grains to make flour for the history of Western civilization, and I will confine my discussion of bread to these grains. There will be some extra information about oats later. Rye and barley are gluten-containing grains, and although they were also a good source of carbohydrates and proteins in history, wheat still was the dominant source of bread and had the best gluten proteins, which allowed the dough to rise better. This enabled a less dense bread that has been the most popular throughout history. Rye and barley were used for this purpose in areas in which they grew better than wheat, but it seems like given the choice, man preferred wheat flour. There are probably thousands of different recipes for this type of bread, but the principal nutrition is similar for all. In some form, Bread is usually a part of the modern diet. Historically, it served as a primary source of protein, fat, and carbohydrates, and has prevented starvation throughout the world. In modern times, bread is fortified with vitamins and minerals that were removed by a modern milling. Before that time, bread was a necessary part of the diet to maintain health. There are many different flatbreads made with different ingredients that do not contain gluten, but I will confine my discussion to the normal bread loaf that looks something like you buy at the store. Bread starts with flour, and flour starts with grain. Wheat is the oldest widely domesticated crop, and numerous varieties have been developed over the last few thousand years. This occurs through cross-fertilization, and currently there is no GMO wheat. Although there are no GMO varieties, that does not keep seed companies from deliberately exposing grains to mutagens, such as radiation and some chemicals, to try to induce a useful mutation. The simplest wheat contains one pair of seven chromosomes, so that each cell contains 14 chromosomes, although humans have 23 pairs of chromosomes for a total of 46 in each cell, wheat chromosomes are much larger, and one pair has 10 times the number of genes as a pair of human chromosomes. This gets even more complicated, as wheat cells can contain two sets of paired chromosomes for a total of 28 chromosomes. And almost all modern bread wheat, 
now contains three sets of paired chromosomes for a total of 42 chromosomes. This is one reason there are 30 to 50,000 different varieties of wheat. In the U.S., we use about 500 to 1,000 varieties to make bread flour. You can see how versatile this plant can be as different varieties can be planted depending on the climate, hot, warm, or cool, the rainfall, the type of soil, the plant disease in that region, the amount of protein desired, or even the time to maturation. This is one reason that so much wheat is cultivated, as it is adaptable to conditions and altitudes all over the world. I am addressing the food engineer. A few may be motivated to grind their own flour, but most will just buy flour or just buy bread. Even so, a knowledge of grain and flour will help you choose the best diet for your family. So far, I have only spoken about wheat. Rye and barley were used for bread making for thousands of years and still today. But wheat has taken over the modern diet, and these grains are just niche breads. That is not to say they can't contribute to a varied and flavorful diet, and I would encourage the food engineer to incorporate these breads in the diet. Okay, first, what is grain? Grain is just a small, hard, dry seed. A cereal grain is one derived from a grass plant and contains the outer bran, the fat and protein-containing germ, and the starch-containing endosperm. This starch consists of starch granules that are individually wrapped in a protein matrix that contains various proteins, including the ones in the form of gluten. When you remove the bran and germ, you still retain about 75% of the wheat protein and 83% of the weight of the kernels. The fat is mainly contained in the germ, which is why it was removed for hundreds of years to increase flour shelf life as the fat undergoes oxidation and spoils the taste of the bread. Now we add chemicals to preserve the flour, which extends the shelf life to at least nine months. In a dry climate, the flour can last for over a year. Before chemicals, you needed to save the food you harvested for about a year before you harvested again. This conveniently supplied you with food over the winter. If you got it milled into flour, you decreased the shelf life quite a bit, and maybe it would not last a year. If you remove the germ and bran, you could extend this shelf life, and maybe it could. If your local water mill could only run part of the year, say the water froze and the mill stopped, or if you could only get to the mill when the weather allowed you to travel, you couldn't always mill the grain just when you needed it and had to figure out how to store flour. These problems have mainly existed for the last 1,000 years or so. Before that time, you would store the grain in a dry place at home and just grind the grain at home when you needed flour. There was no problem storing whole grain for a year. With the advancement of technology, nobody does this anymore, except maybe the people reading this book. I believe almost everyone agrees that whole grains provide more nutrition than white flour.
Why then would anyone eat white bread? For most of mankind's history, we ate whole wheat. It was difficult not to use this type of flour, as hand or stone milling is not amenable to routine removal of bran and germ. This bread was darker, heavier, and denser than modern bread, and it also staled more rapidly, as there were no preservatives. When large-scale milling became popular, we could separate the bran and germ from the grain by a little judicious sifting of the flour. This allowed the millers to make a finer flour that made bread which was lighter and less dense. People wanted this type of bread. Eventually, we figured out what vitamins and minerals were, so that about 80 years ago, we began adding them back to the flour, so-called enriched flour. We didn't go back to the whole wheat, because no matter how you make it, whole wheat flour makes darker, denser bread than modern white flour, and now people were accustomed to light, fluffy bread. You can buy whole wheat bread at the store, but if you look at the ingredients, you see we had to add a lot of different ingredients to make it light and fluffy, like the bread you're buying today. I am going to have to recommend that the modern food engineer use whole wheat flour, just like we did for thousands of years. You could grind your own, but in the last 20 years, there has been enough information about nutrition available that the capitalistic system is working and whole wheat flour is available wherever you shop. I am also going to have to recommend organic flour. Maximum wheat production often involves the use of chemicals to fight moles, bacteria, pests, and viruses, and I do not recommend a steady diet of these chemicals. Remember, whole wheat flour brings us back to the problem of storage, as now we have the germ again. Therefore, store this flour in a cool, dry place and an airtight container if possible. By now, you also know that I have great respect for your gut biome, and these chemicals in bread are altering it, not to your health. When grain is milled with what is called a roller mill, which is not a stone mill, the bran and germ are separated from the endosperm. The endosperm is milled to a small particle size, and the bran and germ may be added back later. With stone ground flour, the whole grain is used and not separated. The particle size is going to be larger, which will make it more difficult to make fluffy bread. As you will read later, the roller milling of flour produces particles of small size, which probably helps induce insulin resistance. But it does let you make fluffy bread. I am going to recommend organic stone ground whole wheat flour. It may be necessary to use white flour, as some items cannot be made with whole wheat, very well at least, like cakes and biscuits. But for the most part, use whole wheat. This will make more sense as we go on. Back to the types of wheat grain. Virtually all flour we use is from bread wheat which contains three sets of chromosomes. When you buy flour, you are getting all kinds of different varieties, 
that are used to make flour depending on what part of the country or even which part of the state grew the grain. I will give you a little info about historical flour. You can now go online and buy flour made from any of these grains or even buy the whole grain. The millers mix various flours together to get the hardness, which is the percent protein, they want. I will initially separate the types of grains into hulled grains and non-hulled. The hull is a strong covering of the grain, which protects the grain from environment and insects. These look like small berries. When whole grain is thrashed, you end up with a tough covering of the grain that requires some type of processing to remove the husk. You then have a grain which can be processed in the usual way. In free thrashing wheat, there is no hull, and the grain is easily removed for milling. Of course, the big advantage of hulled wheat is that you can store it for a long time. The big advantage of free thrashing wheat is you don't have to remove the hull. Einhorn wheat, E-I-N-H-O-R-N, is a diploid wheat, one set of seven chromosomes, for a total of 14, was grown early in history. It is hulled. You can actually buy einhorn grain or flour, but it is rarely used. Emmer wheat is a tetraploid wheat. Two sets of seven chromosomes for a total of 28, and was also grown early on. It is hulled, and you can buy emmer grain flour. Again, it is rarely used nowadays. Spelt, S-P-E-L-T, is a hexaploidy wheat. Three sets of seven chromosomes for a total of 42, and was popular in the Middle Ages. It is hulled. You can buy this grain of flour, and it is more popular than the previous ones. Remember, there are many varieties of each of these. They all contain gluten. Their baking properties are slightly different from the modern red wheat. The Egyptians in the Nile Valley were prolific growers of wheat for about the last 5,000 years, and even to this present day. This was the basis for their world empire, as civilization cannot exist without an excess of food. The wheat grown through much of this period was immer. This is a hulled weed, so it had to be harvested, processed to remove the hulls, winnowed to separate the hulls from the grain, and then the grain made into flour. During the seven years of Great Famine, the wheat stored in the granaries from the previous seven years of plenty was probably immer. A hulled wheat like immer stored in a dry climate would easily last the seven years of famine. The most common food was bread. The most common drink in Egypt at that time was beer made from emmer wheat. Hence, the brewing process provided a source of yeast for non-sourdough bread. Durham is a tetraploid wheat that is 42 chromosomes that is free thrashing, which means no hull, and widely used today. It has a high percentage of protein, that is gluten, and is used in pasta and macaroni as the dough is plastic and can be easily formed.
It is the second most common grain used next to common bread wheat. Durham is milled to a coarse size called semolina. There is a fine flour made from durum that can be made to use bread or add to pasta, but in general, semolina flour is rarely used. You can buy the grain and make your own pasta, but of course you will need to mill it. Bread wheat accounts for 95% of the flour made, and there are many different varieties of grains used. We can divide these up into a few classes. Hard red winter wheat is high protein and used for bread making. These grains can be brought in bulk at some health food stores. Hard wheat means it has a higher protein content, and it's probably what you are getting when you buy unbleached all-purpose flour. Winter wheat means it is planted in the fall and harvested in the next summer. This is grown in the Great Plains. Hard red spring wheat also is high protein and used for bread and baked goods. Planted in the spring and harvested in the fall, this is grown in the northern regions of Canada. Hard white wheat is medium protein and naturally light-colored. This is planted in temperate dry climates. Soft wheat is lower protein and used for pie crust and pastry where you don't want a lot of gluten and the dough rising. Most of the time when you buy bread at the store, your choice is white bread, whole wheat, 100% whole wheat, and stone ground. If not stated as stone ground, it is probably roller milled and not 100% whole wheat and probably not organic. Hulled barley means the outer hull is removed. Pearled means the bran layer is also removed. So hulled would be the same as 100% whole barley. You can apply the same definitions for rye. Most of you are just going to buy bread. Sometimes you will be unable to get 100% whole wheat as when you get rolls or baguettes. At least try to avoid always using white fluffy bread. Some of you will make your own bread products. I have given you some information which will help you decide on what kind of flour to get. Now you get a dozen different choices when you go to the store. A very few of you will make your own flour. This group knows more about bread making than I do. Just try to use coarser particle sizes. It will make it slightly harder to make a less dense bread, but as you will read, it may be of benefit to you. I have given you a lot of numbers and information in this podcast, and it is somewhat difficult to follow when you're just listening to it. If you really are interested in this, then you really need to go ahead and buy my book, Diet and Health, and then you can follow it much easier.